0: Let's turn back to John chapter 7, where we just read a few moments ago, and we're going to be starting out there tonight. Thank you so much for the choir and your song. And I th- Brother Glenn is correct. You know, when you see soul saved, it uh, gets, gets you fired up and excited. And when we look at the time of year, we look at Christmas time, you know, sometimes we can be, get stuck in, a rut, stuck in a rut, to be honest with you. Uh, that sometimes the things of Christmas can become cliché. And I'll uh, just be a little transparency with you. Wednesday, I was here studying, getting ready for Wednesday night, getting ready for Friday and then Sunday. And I just, I came in here, as I do many times, and I said, God, do something amazing. Do something wonderful. Lord, I want to see you work. We sure did see him work Friday night. Amen. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. and. People we've been praying for a long time trusted Christ. Praise God for that. Amen and amen. So, yes, I'm a little excited this morning. And so, but John chapter 7. So, in vain with what we've been looking at, we're going to be so doing something a little bit different this morning. Uh, and uh, we changed things up a little bit on Wednesday because, you know, be honest, we can get in a rut and do things the same way. I am a creature of habit. I do things the same way all the time. And sometimes we can get that way. And we can become a little dead in our worship. We can. So, I'm not trying to introduce new and exciting things, but change how we do things a little bit so that we are engaged again. Because we do things the same way over and over again. You know what begins to happen? We do them out of habit and we're not engaged anymore. And so, we need to be engaged this morning. And in doing that, you're going to help me with the message this morning. And so, what we're going to be looking at this morning, and a great question that I think a lot of people are asking today, the same question that the Jews were asking here in John chapter 7 and verses 25 through 29, was Jesus the Christ? Was he the Messiah? And we see this question, and then said some of them of Jerusalem, is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? How be we know this man whence he is? But when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. A declaration by Jesus that he indeed is the Messiah. And Christmas time is here, and Christmas is about Christ. It is about the coming Messiah. But was he really the Messiah? Was he really the Christ? Christ is simply the Greek form of Messiah. And over the next three weeks, we're going to examine Old Testament prophecies concerning Christ's birth out of over 300 prophecies in general concerning Christ. So this morning, we're going to build our faith. And we know the Christmas account. We know Jesus was the Messiah. We know where he was born. We know all of these things. But when we begin to look and examine how intricate details of Christ's birth were foretold a thousand years and sometimes even further back than that, several thousand years before he was born, I can tell you something, is going to build your faith this morning. It's going to build it. And in a world that doubts, In a world that has every six months to a year, there's a new documentary on the History Channel about, is Jesus, was He really real? Was He really the Son of God? Can I tell you this morning, after we're done with these three weeks, if you have any doubts this morning, or if you're watching or listening to the sermon later, you will have no more doubts. Because Christ indeed is the Messiah. But what we're going to look at this morning is Why? We are going to look at this morning, we are going to look at the lineage of Christ, the lineage of Christ. But this morning, let's look here. Uh, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 9, Genesis chapter number 9 this morning. So there's going to be references on here. This is how this is going to work. Uh, There's going to be an Old Testament reference, and then I'm going to show you in the New Testament where it is fulfilled. So, we're going to look at first at Jesus' human lineage, human lineage. Uh, The Messiah must have certain requirements. You're going to be in Genesis chapter 9 and verses 26 through 27. Uh, And what you're going to do to help me out is that you all are going to read it out loud together. Uh, And then I'm going to read the New Testament fulfillment of that particular promise and explain that a little bit. Okay? So, I have all the verses written out here in front of me this morning, so if you don't see me flipping, that's why, because I want to do this in a timely manner. So, y'all can remain seated, but Genesis chapter 9, beginning in verse number 26, verses 26 and 27. All right, everybody there, I don't hear any more rustling pages. All right, we're going to read it together. Begin. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, we'll pause there for a moment. What is this talking about? This was the blessing Noah bestowed upon his sons. All Israelites are descendants of Shem. So, the three sons, they came into three different branches of human lineage, and all Israelites are of the line of Shem. But in Luke chapter 3, in verse number 36, you don't need to turn there, I'm going to read it for sake of time, which was the son of Canaan, which was the son of Aphraxad, which was the son of Sam or Shem, which was the son of No, which was the son of Lamech, going all the way back through Methuselah and Enoch. This is an excerpt from the lineage of Christ from Luke chapter 3, we're going to look at more of this in just a moment. And so, what is the promise here? That God shall bless. And we see that dwell in the tents of Shem. So, we're going to go very broad, and then we're going to go narrow it down. Like, okay, well, all of Israel was of the line of Shem. So, that's not really special. Well, then let's continue on the next step. Second requirement need to be the son of Abraham, Genesis 26. So, look forward a little further in the book of Genesis from where you are, Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26 and verse number four. So we're going to do this a couple of times and then we're going to expand upon this a little bit. This is just one avenue we're going to look at first his human lineage, his royal lineage, and then his divine lineage, if we can call it that, his divinity. Divinity. Uh, in Genesis chapter 26, verse number 4. All right, I'll wait till all these stop here, rustling of pages. All right, are we there? All right, look up at me if you're there. Okay, wonderful. So we're going to read this again. Genesis 26 and verse number 4. Begin. Wonderful it's like you've done this before right wonderful You're doing a wonderful job staying right together so this is the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham, and that he made a promise that his descendants would become a mighty nation, but the last part here, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed uh, we look at this and yes there's a special blessing upon Israel, but how will Israel affect the entire world, all nations of the world will be blessed. How? By the Messiah. Galatians chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9 say, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heaven, heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And it goes on to say, it talks about the gospel, the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, in that the Messiah would be a son of Abraham. It's like, okay, well, all of Israel are the sons of Abraham. All right, now we go more specific again. Turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. First, he must be a son of Shem, then a son of Abraham, and now a son of David. King David, the lineage of David coming down through. And this is actually very interesting. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Psalm 89 and verses 35 through 37. Now, God made a promise to David, the Davidic covenant, that David's throne would be established forever and that there would always be through all of eternity a descendant of David on the throne. It's like, well, how is that possible? Because we all live and we all die. Well, let's look at this. Psalm 89, verses 35 through 37. If we're all there, look up at me if you're there. All right. Psalm 89, beginning in verse number 35. Begin. Once have I. In Psalm 89, this is a Psalm of David. He is repeating the promise that God had made to him. But we look at this, and it said, How is it possible, knowing that um, knowing that we die, that his throne as the sun before me, it shall be established forever as the moon, his seed shall endure forever? Well, we get to trouble today, and though there are some that maybe would claim the Davidic line, uh, the, a lot of the genealogy of Israel has been lost. So who is really the rightful descendant of David to be king today? They don't know. So doesn't that cause a problem? That caused a problem. I'm sure somewhere, somewhere in Israel, somebody knows. They got the genealogy trying to try and reconstruct them, but they think they know, but... Is that really what's being talked about today? Is that what's being talked about? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 1. I'll look there, Luke chapter 1, 32 through 33. If you could turn there for this one, Luke chapter 1. Turn there to Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33. Uh, We're going to be in Luke 1 and also in Luke chapter 3 here in just a minute. Um, But Luke chapter 1, 32 and 33. He shall be great. And shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And that Jesus, in his birth, Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, in the coming of Christ, that he is the fulfillment. The messengers of God, the angels, and God himself recorded this, and that this was to be the answer to this promise. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 1, I'm going to turn over there, you don't need to, you see two lineages of Christ in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 1, and it begins going down through the lineage of Christ, all the way uh, beginning, as a verse, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, so it begins at Abraham, goes all the way down to Joseph. And being in there, we see that uh, Boaz and Ruth are there, in there. Uh, We are all the way down to David. Uh, Then through Solomon, the royal line coming all the way down to Joseph. Okay, so Joseph wasn't as hold on a second, we're going to get there. But then you look at Luke chapter 3. Uh, it gets all the way down to David. So let's look over at Luke chapter 3 for a moment. Luke chapter 3, uh, you will see in Matthew 1, um, verse 6 And Jesse begat David the king, and David begat Solomon, and he of her that had been the wife of Urias, and Solomon begat Rehoboam. So that's the line of Joseph. Now, Luke chapter 3, the genealogy is different. It's like, uh oh, there's mistakes in the Bible. Uh, that, and that's like what some people say. Well, the Bible has mistakes. Luke chapter 3 is not the line of Joseph, it's Mary's line. Luke chapter 3, let's look over there. Did some research on this. Now, I'll just say this, this is debated by a lot of people. Uh, but Luke chapter 3, in verse number 32. Uh, which was the son of Jesse? Which was the son of Obed? Which was the son of uh, Boaz? Which son of Solomon? Actually, going back, went the wrong way here. Uh, the son of Jesse, for. And interesting, Luke 3 goes backwards, okay? Matthew 1, 1 goes from Abraham down. This goes from Joseph here. Let's go back a little bit uh, to verse number. a little ahead of myself here. Uh, Goes down here, verse 23. And Jesus himself, being about to be 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now, Jewish lineage, women would trace their lineage back, but they would use their husband's name, in tracing their lineage. That's how it's recorded. So that's why it's different. And you look through it and say, okay, uh, and starting here, it's completely different than Matthew chapter 1. Why? Well, let's go back again. And we go back a little bit into David, verse 31, which son of Mila, which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Mathiah, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. So we see Matthew 1, it goes through the lineage of Solomon and Rehoboam. Then this is the line of Nathan. This is Mary's line. So both of Jesus' parents, if you want to call it that, Joseph, of course, wasn't the physical father of Jesus Christ. However, because Jesus was his first firstborn, Jesus had the legal birthright of the firstborn son because Joseph was of the royal line of David. And Jesus had the royal right to the throne through the law of birthright. So this is a completion of that also it says God gave him the throne. Amen, through the authority of God. And now also and but physically in the line of David through David's son Nathan all the way through through Mary. So Mary was also a descendant of David, a completion. Now let's just talk about this for a moment. Going broad and then going down narrow to the lineage. This is almost impossible for, someone, for this to be just a coincidence. It is mathematically impossible. And this is just one part of it. There's much more I'm going to go into today. It is a mathematical impossibility for this to be random chance. That someone that met all this criteria decided, well, I'm going to claim to be the Messiah. No, the, he indeed, it was and is the Messiah, the Savior. So that, look at Number three Number two is human lineage. Third, his royal lineage. I just explained that, though not the physical son of Joseph, he still had the birthright of the firstborn son, and Christ must be from the royal line. Now let's look at his divine lineage, if you want to call it that, uh, His divinity. Isaiah chapter nine. Turn over there. Isaiah chapter nine this morning, Isaiah chapter nine and verse number six. I understand this is a little bit of a heavier message here than your typical one, but I want to see Christmas, you know, let's be honest, when we go we went out to look at some things, you know, sometimes we look at Christmas and it's baby Jesus in the manger and the shepherds and the three wise men and that's all we see of Christmas. Uh, And sometimes even to children and to young people, that's all for some people that really Christmas means. There's no depth to it. We know Jesus came. We know Jesus was born. But do we know that we can prove using God's word that Jesus is the Messiah in the fulfillment of the prophecies and the promises? There is great depth here. In Isaiah chapter 9, okay, Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, a verse we know really well. Are we ready? Look up here if you're ready to go. All right. Isaiah 9, 6, begin. His father for the of his Amen. This is exciting. Luke chapter 1, 32 and 33, he shall be great. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. John 1, 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In addition to Luke 2 and the other accounts of the message of the angels, shall call his name what? Emmanuel, God with us. The promise, a son is given. This was the prophecy of Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ. The prophecies in Genesis, 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. The prophecy of David, 1,000 years before. And these are just a few. There are many, many more. We could be here for a couple of sermons just talking about these prophecies. Try to condense it down into a few this morning. But a son is given. Not only that, the preexistent son. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, verse number 25 through 27. Now, Brother Scott's going to like this because this has to do with this Sunday school series this morning. Uh, Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. Maybe I'll help plug some of the holes this morning from, from chapter 1 for you, Brother Scott. Right? Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 10. Psalm 102, verse 25 through 27. <coughs> And a promise here, and we look at this psalm, and you read it, and let's be honest, when we look at the face of it, we see it's describing God himself. And we say, well, it's just in generalities. But Hebrews chapter 1 is going to illuminate. This is the amazing thing. We look at these prophecies, and some of them are very clear about where Jesus was to be born. We're going to get into that in the coming weeks. Uh, and where he was from, there's even a prophecy of that he was to be from Nazareth which some people don't know about. Uh, it's a bit of a general one because you look at the verse, but then you see it completed in the New Testament. And many of these prophecies were general, some of them very specific, but some of them general, and they were mysterious. What is this talking about? And that's when Paul because said, the mysteries of God are revealed. And that's exactly what the New Testament is, the mysteries of the Old Testament, the mysteries of some of these prophecies that they weren't 100% sure that they knew what they meant, that they are revealed in the New Testament and they are revealed in Christ. And this is one of those. Psalm 102 beginning in verse number 25. Let's begin this morning of old. So we see this. Well, this is talking about the eternal existence of God. Well, Hebrews chapter 1 gives us a little bit more detail. Hebrews chapter 1 is a description of Christ. Now, Hebrews was written specifically for Jews, a revealing of the mysteries, a revealing. Now, if you notice something that you look at, especially in the book of Acts, uh, what did we see when uh, Jews were coming? Paul would go to where? You go to a city, and the first place he would go is to where? Synagogue. And what he would do? He would preach unto them who? Jesus. What was he doing? He was showing them who Jesus was, and that he fulfilled all the promises. What did Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch do? He read in Isaiah. And what did the Ethiopian eunuch Does he speak of himself or some other man? And then Philip and said, because Philip understand what thou readest. How shall I accept? Some men guide me. Does he speak of himself or some other man? And Philip opened the scripture and began to preach unto him who? Jesus did the same thing. Showed him that this is speaking of Jesus the Christ. And showed him how he fulfilled the promises. Isn't that interesting? Jesus himself with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. What did Jesus do? Is that beginning where? In the law and the prophets... Showed himself how he fulfilled. Oh, Amen. I wish I would could have been there to hear that. Amen. You know what? To, to those <laughs> as it did our hearts burden with this, Showed them because they were doubting. Well, maybe he wasn't really the Christ. You know what? We have, that's how we need to deal with people. We need to show them how Jesus fulfilled the promises. He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a good teacher. He indeed is the very Son of God. That's why this is important. This is how we can win people to Jesus Christ, by showing them the promises. He was foretold here, and this is where he completes it here. But Hebrews chapter 1, what happens here? Verse number 1, God who hath at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So this is a revelation of the mystery. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, which he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, let's go forward a little bit in the chapter. Verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they, are, they all shall wax old, as doth a garment, and as a vesture. Thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Who's it talking about? Now, that does not sound familiar? It's a quote of Psalm 102, verse 25. It's a direct quotation. And what Paul is saying here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who was being spoken of in that in Psalm 102? Jesus the preexistent Son of God, the all-eternal One, the the Master of all things, the King of kings and Lord of lords, He who was spoken of in Psalm 102 a thousand years before His birth. Amen. Praise God. God. Not a coincidence, my friends, but the mighty, miraculous hand of God. Isaiah 40, verse number 9, the last one this morning. Isaiah 40, verse number 9. Isaiah 40, verse number 9. So we first see a son is given, then we see the pre-existent son, and third we see, Behold your God, Isaiah 40, verse number 9. Isaiah 40, verse number 9. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, to come to the lost sheep of Israel. Isaiah 40, verse number 9, that's what we're going to read this morning. Isaiah 40, verse 9, begin. isaiah 40 is a messianic prophecy chapter this is just one of many things that are mentioned in that chapter but it says behold your god but do we understand the words of john the baptist in john chapter 1 verse 36 and looking upon jesus as he walked he said behold the lamb of god behold not only that, the devil, even in mocking John 19, 14, Pilate, and was in preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. Isn't that just that isn't that the devil for you? To bring back, behold, your here is the king of the Jews. Now something I want to point out this morning, and we look at we look at the lineage of Christ, and we look at especially his royal lineage, and we say, How shall the throne of David be established forever and his seed forever. We just learned we don't know who the descendant of David through Solomon is today. We don't even know if the line has ended. We're not sure. But we do know that Jesus has the right of kingship. And and we know that the right of kingship only passes from one to another unless one dies. And Jesus will never die. He is the eternal king. Amen. He will forever be the king of Israel. That is why he is going to come and rule the earth as the rightful king. So when they put that title over his cross, king of the Jews, it is the truth. Herod, who was the king at this time, we're going to get into this here in a couple of weeks. He was actually an Edomite. Of the lineage of Esau. And actually, when the coming of the Messiah came, that was foretold that the scepter would depart from Judah. And so, I'm not going to, that's all I'm going to tell you. So, we we'll look forward to that in a couple weeks here. But just these things, all these things coming through, all these things that come together, all through and from the Old Testament, from thousands of years before. Christ will forever be king of Israel and the king of kings and Lord of lords. He shall never die and his lineage is forever settled. And that was what God was telling David that through the lineage of David and of Solomon all the way down, the Messiah would come and he would sit on David's throne for eternity. Amen. Amen. How wonderful are the promises of God. All of these promises that are given in this book, God kept and fulfilled every single one in Christ. So what do we learn from God? That God is a promise keeper. And when he promises to save our soul, for whosoever shall shall call upon the name of the Lord, who is that? Jesus Christ, shall be saved. A promise Don't you think he will save us? Amen. Maybe you've never called upon Jesus to save you this morning. And maybe you've had doubts that he was the Messiah. Can I assure you this morning, we are just beginning as we continue on. Not only about his birth, where he was born, all of these things. Even the Magi, the Gentiles will seek after him, was foretold. We should have no doubt. And if you've never trusted Christ this morning as your personal Savior, do it today. We can look at these promises like, well, these are wonderful things. This is just the beginning. But don't you think that God can take care of us in this tender care? If he is powerful enough to take care of all of them, to allow through human history and the history of Israel to see the Messiah come, his will done, his promises kept That were given to Abraham, and to David, and to a whole entire nation, and to the world. He kept them. Don't you think he's going to keep his promises to you? He'll keep them. We can be sure of that. But you know something that we are tired of at times? That Israel had to wait. Israel waited centuries for the Messiah. And there are some today, well, Jesus isn't coming. Well, Abraham had to wait in the glories of heaven for many thousands of years until Messiah came. Can I assure you of something today? Jesus promised he's coming back. God promised he's coming back. I think we can be assured he's coming back. God always keeps his promises. He will save us and he is coming back. Oh, that we would be busy. When we look at this, it takes the accounts of Christmas and we look at these things and it makes it such a fuller picture. A fuller and more amazing picture. It is truly a miracle of God. Truly a miracle. And maybe there are people that you know that you're into this Christmas time. Maybe family members. Well, I just don't believe in all this Christmas stuff. You know, it's just, you know, it's all made up, you know. It's all just, uh, you know, some, yeah, some Catholic somewhere a long time ago made up all the stuff. Well, actually, the Catholics did make up the three kings thing. Anyway, uh, that's it. and do some research on that. Actually, it has been thought there were actually 14 magi that came, possibly. We don't know the number because God doesn't say. You know, we sing, these three kings of Orientar, right? Why? Because we know there's three gifts. I'm sorry, that's from the Catholic Church. I hate to tell you that. But uh, they actually made this whole thing about that on uh, that there's the the tomb of the three kings i forget the name of the place but uh it was all completely made up so when we look at that we just see it still doesn't know that were the magi made up no because god said they were there they came from the east but when they came they didn't come just three you know you see the three camels right oh when the magi came there was an entourage they were respected around the world as man of wisdom and man of knowledge, once again, getting ahead of myself a little bit, but actually every ruler of Persia had to be uh, from the order of the Magi to have wisdom to rule. And yes, they were astrologers, and yes, they did dabble in sorcery and the dark arts, yes, they did. But they still sought who? The true and eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. As what, what, If we are wise, we will seek him. And if men were in our Christian life, are we going to, in wisdom, seek God in his wisdom? Are we going to seek Christ in salvation? Are we going to seek Christ in his will and his direction? We will never go wrong if we seek after him. Was Jesus the Messiah? Yes, you can trust him. Today, you can trust him in salvation. You can trust him in your finances. You can trust him in the direction for your life. You can trust him in raising your children. You can trust him in service in every way. You can trust him. Will we trust him this morning? Let's pray. Dearly Father, I pray that you bless our invitation time this morning. Lord, we're so amazed at your eternal power. And at the fulfillment of your promises. It is beyond our ability to understand how you have orchestrated through human history from beginning to end your hand in it all. It's so amazing. It's overwhelming. There is no way that the book we hold in our hands, dear Lord Jesus, is a man-made book. It is impossible. It is your divine word. And it shows us the way of truth. I pray today that we would embrace it. Hold it closer to our heart all the more. And how precious it is. And Lord I pray if any here this morning. They were had doubts about whether Jesus was really the Messiah. Was Jesus really the son of God. Oh you are. And I pray that they would trust you today. Maybe we who are. Saved today dear Lord. We've forgotten who you are. We've forgotten how powerful you are and how you love us so. Thank you for reminding us today. Lord, we are precious in your sight. Help us to trust in those promises. Praise you, bless your invitation time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.